Hey, everybody. This is Sean Harwell. You are listening to the Never Heard of a Podcast. This is the show, once again, where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks. Joined, of course, today by... I was going to do like a bro pun, but I don't I don't have a good one. And uh, are we past bro puns yet? Probably. Probably. Well, bro, why don't you tell them who you are? Uh, Craig, non-bro, <laughs> Moorhead. That's good. Here You're non-bro. to co-bro host. <laughs> God. This this broadcast. Bro host. Why have we never said that before? I don't know. Totally Co-host, bro host. Because we don't want to be thought of that way, probably. But well, yeah. Well, people think what they think already. Anyway. Fair enough. Everybody, welcome. If you haven't already, go check out neverheardpodcast.com. All your links, all your back episodes. I hope you have listened whenever you listen to it and whenever you listen to this. To the episode prior to this where we talked about the 1989 movie Big Man on Campus and had guest editor, fanatic of that movie, Andrew Bentler, on to share some knowledge on it. We've got another movie that's uh, very much in the same vein, I think. Neither one of us have seen it, but we're going to get into that today. But Craig, how are you? How's the world of movies? Uh, Is there anything we need to know before we get started? As far as I know, the world of movies is still chugging right along. Mm -hmm. There are issues to address, but we still have movies coming out every single day. I'm going to get into one of those issues, as a matter of fact, with this movie. That's that's how crazy it's going to get. So, without further ado, we are talking about the movie How I Got Into College. That is uh, a title, one that I was not familiar with. It's also from 1989, and you'll see there is some carryover from some of the people that made it. The previous movie we talked about with this movie. And Craig, I think you're going to walk us through cast and crew today, right? Gosh darn right, Sean. Sean, I'm not going to lie to you. There are a lot of people in this movie. I know. Some good ones too, right? I mean, it's it just made my heart so happy going through this list of people. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start right with uh, with the top dog, mm-hmm. the director. Savage Steve Holland is his name. That's how he's always credited. Savage Steve Holland. It's hard to top that as a credit. Yeah. You know, really. Yeah. You know, we had starring Alan Katz as Starring. Uh, yeah, name. I know. That's pretty good. This Savage Steve Holland is I mean, that's right up there, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love him. You know, as as far as like directors go who probably don't get discussed a lot. Yeah. I gotta say, like, this guy has given me some 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 great movies mm-hmm. that I just feel like we would have never gotten from anyone else. Really the, the the main one I'm talking about is Better Off Dead. I love that movie so much. John Cusack, if you haven't seen it. Uh, you got You really got to check it out. It's great, and it's it's really it's. I, I feel like it's everything that you need to know about Savage Steve Holland and what he wants to accomplish <laughs> is yeah. in that movie. And that's really why I actually have high hopes for how I got into college. Yeah, me too, man. I mean that his sense of humor is is just so good in that movie. You got to check it out. Uh, he also directed One Crazy Summer. He also wrote and directed most episodes of a show called The New Adventures of Beans Baxter. Which probably almost no one would remember. I don't know that show at all. Yeah, I loved this show. It was right really? when uh, the Fox, <laughs> right when the Fox Channel was first born. Uh huh. This is one of the first shows that was on that channel. It oh. probably ran for like only like a season. Yeah. But it's basically about a kid who's also a spy. He's like fighting these evil entities in the world or whatever. But it's got Savage Steve Holland's sense of humor to it. Uh huh. 
I loved it, man. I, I don't oh, think you can find it anywhere, it. but I Jeez. thought, oh, I loved it, loved it, loved it. This movie was produced by Elizabeth Cantillon. Mm-hmm. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but she produced Galaxy Quest. No, no slouch there. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and Michael Schamberg. She, wait, she did not produce Michael Schamberg. The other producer was Michael <laughs> Schamberg. She's his as mom? As far as I know. Okay. Right. I don't think so. <laughs> but he produced The Big Chill and Out of Sight, among many, many others. Wow. Uh, he's got a real nice resume. Uh, music is by Joseph Vitarelli, who you might remember from such movies as Big Men on Campus. I do. He also did the music for HBO's John Adams series and wow. for The Adventures of Beans Baxter. Thank you. <laughs> Cinematography was by Robert Elswit, who is amazing. Mm-hmm. He's uh, done, just to mention, a couple, There Will Be Blood, and Return of the Living Dead 2. I got to throw that out there because it's great. Oh, really? I didn't know that. You got to check that out. Cool. Editing. I believe I'm gonna. I'm pronouncing this right. Kaha Fair. That's probably totally wrong. Sean, does that does that name ring a bell with you? It doesn't. I like that name. It sounds cool. It's a great name. Yeah. She edited. She could be a he. I'm totally <laughs> um, just assuming now. That's what we do. Yeah. She, I feel like saying she, it's a compliment. If someone thought my name was a she, I'd be fine with it. Sure. She edited Pritzi's Honor. Oh, okay. And the other editor on it was Sonia Sones Tramer. You've got some great names and I'm terrible with them. <laughs> Uh, and this is her. This is her only credit, so I'm interested wow. to see uh, okay. what that's all about. Yeah. Now let's get into the starring roles, Sean. And I'm going to go through this mammoth list and let you know that I have pared this down. Yeah. Because this is just a mini episode that we're doing. Right. At the top of this bill, we've got Anthony Edwards, who we may remember from Top Gun or ER or Revenge of the Nerds. Tons of stuff. Corey Parker, who you may remember from such movies as Big Man on Campus. <laughs> yes. And Friday the 13th, part five. Corey Parker, the hardest working man in our podcast these last few weeks. Yep. Uh, Lara Flynn Boyle. Mm -hmm. She of Twin Peaks, Wayne's World, Happiness. Yeah. Finn Carter. No, that name doesn't ring a bell. Not really. I was going to say, should I know that name? It feels like it's such a good movie name. Here's the thing. I'm going to say, for a lot of these that I'm going to name, you you don't know the name, but you know the face. Yeah. Like, as soon as you see the face, you're like, I've seen that face a million times. Gotcha. She was in Tremors. Mm-hmm. She was in some ER. She's in tons of TV. Charles Rocket. You know that name? No. Charles Rocket. He was the bad guy in Dumb and Dumber. He's done a ton oh, of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Bad guy in Dumb and Dumber. Also famous for saying the word fuck on Saturday Night Live and really? getting kicked off for it. Yeah. Oh, uh, you can look that, that up on YouTube and see the moment it happened. Brian Doyle Murray from yeah. Caddyshack and Groundhog yeah. Day and a million other great movies. That guy's amazing. Mm-hmm. Philip Baker Hall hey. from Secret Nixon. Honor and Magnolia. Richard Jenkins Jeez. from Step Brothers and Six Feet Under. Nora Dunn from Saturday Night Live and Pineapple Express. Phil Hartman is in this thing. When I kind of stumbled upon this movie and watched the trailer, I got so happy when I saw Phil Hartman. So I'm, I'm hoping, I know he was. he's kind of down the list here, yeah. but I know he's in that. He made the trailer, so I'm hoping there's some just... Good gems from him. Yeah, apparently he's like, he's like the, I think he is like the SAT coach or something. <laughs> God. Okay. So yeah. Fantastic. We've got Taylor Negron. If that name rings a bell with you, that guy uh, is also amazing. He was in Better Off Dead, okay. and he was, he was yes. the bad one of the bad guys in the Last Boy Scout. Mm-hmm. And apparently, I'm not sure about this, but in both Better Off Dead and this movie, he plays a mailman. So that might be a little yeah. carryover. 
Nice. In the Savage Steve Holland universe. <laughs> Uh, Curtis Armstrong, Booger. Hey, Booger, yeah. Uh, also one of the funniest parts of Better Off Dead. Two more less well-known names, but okay. I love these people and I love their faces. I love seeing them. One is Olan Jones. She was the crazy religious lady from Edward Scissorhands. Oh, okay. Her name is Olan. I'm looking at Olan. it. Olan. I mean, I'm going to assume that's how it's pronounced. It's literally big O <laughs> hyphen L-A-N. So I'm going Olan on that one. Uh, we have to do some research um, on that. That's just bizarre. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Oh, but man. please, uh, please, Olan, call in if we got that wrong. Um, <laughs> the number's right at the bottom of the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last name is Diane Franklin. She played the French girl in Better Off Dead. Oh, okay. And I just love her in that movie yes. so much that I immediately love anything she's going to do in this movie. Awesome. And that brings... Uh, all the cast and crew stuff to an end, Sean. Cool. Yes. Although I'm sure I left some people on the table. This movie came out May 19th, 1989. Again, um, kind of uh, right there in the same year as Big Men on Campus. Although, as we discussed, that movie appears to not have had a theatrical release. Uh, whereas this one did. It was made for around $10 million, uh, in Brazil, Craig. This movie was known as Horror No Vestibular, which <laughs> in Portuguese translates to, I think, just Horror No Vestibular. I, don't, I couldn't find anything. I mean, yeah. like, vestibular is like your, your ear area, so God only knows. Right. This movie shot at Pomona College, mostly in Claremont, California. Uh, again, this has obviously uh, got something to do with higher education, uh, but they also shot in Chicago and New York City. It made a whopping 651 grand the opening weekend that it came out, which was good for 11th that weekend. And uh, I'm going to run quickly through the top 10 because I was kind of surprised this was a pretty good weekend in film. Guess what the number one movie was, Craig? In 1989, uh, would it be 1942's <laughs> Casablanca, by any chance? It would not. One of these days, that is going to be the right answer to one of my okay. questions. I'm going to keep guessing. That day is not today. It was see no evil, hear no evil. Uh, Hackman and Pryor. Mm-hmm. Roadhouse, number two. Field of Dreams, K-9, Pet Cemetery, Major League, Rain Man, Scandal, The Dream Team, Say Anything. That's your top ten. That's pretty That's pretty good. Pretty strong it's a pretty 10. good top yeah. ten. Uh, Fright Night 2. 14th, 14th overall that weekend. Wow. Still have not watched that movie, need to. Uh, it went on how I got into college to make $1,642,000. So, not a great return on the initial investment. No. Uh, was 152nd on the year. Not a lot of critical love. Richard Bernstein from the New York Times said, quote, I really enjoyed this quote, and maybe you can tell me what the hell it means. How I got into college is a warm bath, not hot, not cold. It's something to see when you should be doing your homework. <laughs> Which, <laughs> still not right. sure if that's a compliment or if that's just no. somebody sounding kind of old. May, well, yeah, maybe he's not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Now, um, here's where I think maybe this movie ran into some trouble that led to the poor critical response and box office, Craig. But we're, we're, we're going to remain optimistic just because of all the people involved. Oh, I'm totally uh, Mr. Savage Steve Holland was not supposed to direct this movie. Oh. Jan Eliasberg was hired 
and fired five days into production. Now, yeah. I, I found an article about this. I did not find any sort of confirmation about whether or not they paused production or if literally Steve Holland came in and like the next on day six and just started shooting. Right. Uh, the fact that, yes, yeah, some of the people in the movie were in some of his other movies, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, obviously you could cast those parts if you're not shooting them when you come aboard, but I'm not sure. sure. Now, uh, Jan Eliasberg was no slouch. She was a very prominent theater director and was, I think, maybe like 30 at the time, still super young, was coming off of a bunch of good TV run with like Cagney and Lacey. I think she had done Miami Vice at the time and Crime Story. She went on to direct episodes of The Outsiders, which I did not realize ever was a series, but I think it was in 1990. I know, I got to see it. Uh, She did episodes 21 Jump Street, Dawson's Creek, Nash Bridges, uh, most recently the show Bull, which I think is ABC. I can't remember. Don't quote me on that. Uh, She did a movie called Past Midnight with Rugger Hauer. Uh, Not a ton of movie credits, though. But so, yeah, I found an article, L.A. Times, March 11, 1988. The headline of this article, and here's where we were talking about issues with movies today. This is completely still relevant, obviously. Uh, It read, a fired woman film director, new questions, issue continues. And I'm going to read just a few select passages from this article, right? So, quote, The move, uh, talking about the move of directors, triggered some hushed debate in Hollywood about the status of women filmmakers, tensions at the studio, studio being Fox, and what some say is a new aggressiveness among movie executives who seem increasingly eager to assert creative control over films backed by their companies. On one level, the Eliasberg incident provides an intriguing glimpse at the severity with which risk-averse executives can react when they feel an investment is threatened. Obviously, even like removing the gender issue, we've seen how many Star Wars movies have replaced the director? (laughs) Uh, You know, in the past five years. Yeah, it, it has been going around quite a bit, and I'm sure they're not alone in that. The dismissal was particularly striking in that Fox, by several accounts, dropped Elias Bird largely because she was striving to make a film more sophisticated, if less broadly funny, than the studio wanted. That, d- that doesn't surprise me entirely. One yeah, Fox executive yeah. is said to have explained the difficulty in television terms. Quote, she was giving us 30-something, and we want Laverna Shirley, the executive said, according to some <laughs> accounts. <laughs> That's not Those a good example references. in 1989, though, is it? Why would it you want? It wouldn't be a good example. Well, I guess especially for this movie. I mean, given yeah, I don't know. well, given who they ended up getting to direct it. Yeah, he's not Laverne and Shirley. Laverne and Shirley. Yeah, yeah, crazy. But yeah, quote to replace a director is a rare and costly event in the last two years. However, so that would be 87, 88. Uh, Joyce Chopra was removed from MGM's Bright Lights Big City, and Mary Lambert left Warner Brothers under a cherry moon shortly after shooting started. Meanwhile, Martha Coolidge left Paramount's Some Kind of Wonderful, and Claudia Weil was taken off Fox's Less Than Zero prior to shooting. Whoa. Uh, Yeah, which... I didn't know any of those. No, me either, and those are all movies that... I've heard of, at least, and seen several of them. Uh, Obviously, Less Than Zero was a pretty big pop culture event. Yeah. Um, So, continuing, just a few more here. 
Uh, Chopra, Coolidge, Lambert, and Weil, like Elias Berg, all were replaced by males. They declined to discuss their experiences. Lambert only said, quote, it's a very difficult time for women who want to be directors in Hollywood, end quote. Another of the women said, quote, it wouldn't be good for me if I told what really happened, end quote. Um, I can't imagine. I know, and, uh, you know, I, obviously I think progress is, is being made, but boy, um, yeah, it's not, it's not a new issue uh, that we're dealing with here. No. And uh, I don't know. I can't think of a, a, a recent example of a female director being, you know, replaced by a male director, but I don't know. It probably, probably does happen still um, here and there, but maybe not sure. so much on some of these big, big movies. The budgets are so high now, they, they really ought to get that right before they go into production. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, but I feel regardless. like in a weird way, maybe with the internet, it's it's much easier to to latch on to like who's directing something. So if it's a really yeah. high profile movie, like they don't want to. I'm sure. But I mean, I mean, it's it's just happened with Star Wars a bunch of times. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. And uh, Justice League and, and you know, various reasons get yeah. turned around. Anyway, one bit of uh, bright light that came out of this article was... Michael Mann, who I kind of always just assumed is like a, a prickly prayer of a guy who you yeah. don't want to mess with. He just, I don't know, he has that demeanor when you when you see him in interviews and things. But he is quoted in the article as being a, a very big fan of hers and talked about, you know, specifically what she did and the vibe and the, and the scene that she created in an episode of Crime Story that she did. And also oh, that yeah. she had worked on Miami Vice. And he is said to have offered her immediately after being fired. Uh, another episode of vanilla, uh, almost said Vanilla Ice, Miami Vice to direct. <laughs> <laughs> but it said that she declined and, and chose, she did a pilot instead, but it was not, they gave the title and it was something that I, I'm not positive ever made it to series. And we'll see how this movie plays out. And obviously I think you and I both were excited to see it knowing that director, Savage Steve Holland, and being big fans of Better Off Dead. But yeah, it's it's hard not to wonder what would have this done for her career, like what the movie would look like, and also you know would this have put her more on a feature track versus most of her career has been spent in TV. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is a good question. I mean, for 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 a movie that you know apparently didn't get great reviews and so on, like was she was she the one who had her finger on the right pulse? Yeah, and they they chickened out. Like, yeah, I, don't know. I wonder if she was like, yep. That's what you get. <laughs> she only made a million bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Should have stuck There must in. be some there must be some satisfaction. It's gotta that, be a little you know? bit, right? Yeah. Last thing we can look forward to the soundtrack has a David Lee Roth tune on it called Tobacco Road. And Edie Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians make an appearance there. Wow. So this is like, yeah, right at the end of the eighties, heading into the nineties when <laughs> when those two uh names were a bit more relevant. Yes. So that's all I got in the uh, in the little extra tidbits department for this movie. There's not a ton about this movie floating around out there. I gotta say, uh, the IMDb no, no, and the Wikipedia not. pages are, are fairly bare as far as uh, you know, extra stuff goes. So, if you're listening and you know about this movie, if you've seen it, if you have memories of it, but you haven't watched it in a long time, a check it out again. I know it's on DVD. I'm not positive about the online availability of this movie i don't think it's extremely available if that makes sense but i uh, would love to hear yeah i would love to hear from people that have seen it so we'll be yeah. back next time to talk about it in detail won't we craig 
Hell yeah. Any last words? What are you what are you most let's let's do this. What are you most okay. looking forward to from this movie? What like what would you be satisfied with meeting your expectations? What does it need to do? Well, it's funny. My my expectations have actually been raised by this mm-hmm. talk that we've had just because you know there was this other version of the movie that was going to happen. Yeah. Now it's this version, whatever this version brings me. But more than anything, what I kind of wanted was I kind of want my better off dead experience, but taken yeah. to another level. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, a $10 million movie in 1989 for a savage Steve Holland comedy. Like, I, I guess the thing is, I, I, I had an impression of what this movie was going to be. And I always kind of thought it was like a like a bargain bin type movie. It was just a, it was <laughs> yeah. a small movie. It was made small and, and it just never kind of broke through. Right. So the fact that it had $10 million, I, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised at that number. So yeah. My, my hopes are a little higher. Yeah. And I want a lot of weird humor that makes me laugh. Yeah. I, I'm kind of with you there, too. It's like I sort of got a little bit of that vibe from the trailer. But yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm most curious to see actually what they do with the literal impact of this title. Like, how do you make a movie about teens stressing to get into college obviously there's pressure involved there but then you know trying to, to both make that funny and also say anything literally was at the box office once one notch a- ahead of this one i'm curious to see what sort of emotion is brought to this but i'm, I'm kind of with you i just i sort of just want weird laughs and i'll be happy <laughs> yeah absolutely so that's it we will see it and you will too and then we'll talk about it and all will be right with the world. Excellent. Bye-bye.